0: Our scripture lesson today is again from the book of Acts. We're in chapter 10 today, and we're going to read verses 44 through 48. I invite you to follow along in your own Bibles or with the words on the screen. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished to hear that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles. But they had heard them speaking in tongues for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And God's people said, amen. On Wednesday nights this spring, we've been in a series of seminars designed to address uh, many of the emotional and mental health challenges that we face, in, not only in our own families and congregation, but in our community. Given that May, the month of May, is Mental Health Awareness Month, it's been a good time to hold this series. We've had, uh, we'll have six sessions all together. Last week, Dr. Doug Thorpe, Executive Director of the Virginia Institute of Pastoral Care, was with us. And he spoke on how faith and hope can give us a new perspective or a new way of seeing the future when all we can see often is difficulty and darkness. He talked about hope. He referenced the Psalms of Lament. A third of all of the Psalms are Lament Psalms where the psalmist, on, and as we participate in the Psalms, express our laments to God and are honest with God about what we're experiencing and at the same time uh, compel us to hold on to hope. One of our students who had attended the seminar made a comment related to perspective, having this hopeful perspective, and she said that it reminded her of a term that she had studied in school that deals with astronomy, and it's called the overview effect psychology also deals with this, as does philosophy. And I was intrigued by what she said. It was very um, meaningful and thought-provoking. So I talked to her subsequently and asked her to help me learn more about this overview effect. And she said, and she pointed me to a few websites, and it's an experience that astronauts have of a new perspective of the planet Earth and mankind's place on it. When astronauts, for example, first saw Earth from afar in the Apollo 8 space mission in 1968, they described a cognitive shift in awareness after seeing our planet hanging in the void. One of the most meaningful photos that we many remember and that I was um, refreshed with was the Apollo 8 Earthrise picture from Christmas Eve, 1968. it helps us to see that we're all together on this big rock one of the astronauts says it's an uncanny sense of understanding the big picture and the feeling of connected being connected yet bigger than the intricate processes bubbling on earth another recounts a statement from the Apollo 8 mission. When we originally went to the moon, our total focus was on the moon. We weren't thinking about looking back at Earth. But now that we've done it, that may, have, may well have been the most important reason we went was to look back at the Earth hanging in the void. Another astronaut some years later says, after doing a spacewalk from the International Space Station, says, seeing Earth from this vantage point gave me a unique perspective, something I've come to call the orbital perspective. Part of this is the realization that we are all traveling together on the planet and that if we all looked at the world from that perspective, we would see nothing is impossible. And an Apollo 14 pilot, who was the sixth person to walk on the moon, reflects in this way. You develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it. From out there on the moon, international politics looks so petty. Quote, You want to grab a politician by the scruff of the neck, and drag him a quarter of a million miles out and say, and I've cleaned this up. Would you just look at that? Perhaps you're thinking or asking, Pastor Bob, what on earth does this astronomy lesson have to do with being a Christian? Everything How can we be a follower of Jesus Christ and look at the world in the same way? Once we have been transformed, how can we look at the world and at God's people in the same way? When the Holy Spirit changes our heart and our mind, we gain an eternal perspective, an orbital perspective. It's like an overview effect has come upon us. Today's passage from the book of Acts is, Really the end of a larger story in Acts chapter 10. A Roman centurion named Cornelius uh, had a change of heart. And the apostle Peter had a change of perspective. They would never be the same again. As the followers of Jesus were persecuted in Jerusalem in the early days of the church, many of them scattered. We talked about this last Sunday. The apostle Peter spent much time sharing the gospel in Jerusalem and then in Samaria, and then returned back to Judea. In Judea, he ministered in Lydda, it's point five on the map before you, and then went to Joppa, which is point six on your map, which is a major port city in Judea. Recall, it's the port city that Jonah fled to to avoid God's call to Nineveh. And Luke reports that Peter stayed there in Joppa for some time with a tanner a person who worked with animal skins, a tanner named Simon. Meanwhile, there was a Gentile named Cornelius who lived in the city of Caesarea, a major international seaport located on the Mediterranean, about 55 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Caesarea happened to be the headquarters of the Roman occupation at the time, and Cornelius was a highly regarded leader, a centurion in the Italian regiment. In Luke 10, if you go back to the beginning and read the story, you see that he and his family were devout and God-fearing people. He gave generously, meaning he gave alms, he gave to the ministry of the poor, which was something that Jews participated in regularly. He also prayed regularly, another Jewish practice. One day at three in the afternoon, which was one of the Jewish appointed times for prayer, Cornelius had a vision from God. Now he was a God-fearer, he was not, he was a Gentile, he was not a a Jewish convert, he was a God-fearer, he was seeking. And he had a vision from God, it was an angel, and the angel said to Cornelius that God was pleased with his prayers and his gift to the poor, and the angel told Cornelius to send some of his men to the city of Joppa and return to Caesarea with a man named Peter, The angel even told Cornelius the house where Peter could be found, the house of Simon the tanner. So Cornelius gathered a few of his men, told them all that the angel had said, and sent them to Joppa to find Peter. As they were getting close to Joppa, to where Peter was staying, it was about noon the next day. Peter was up on the roof of the house where he was staying, and Many times people would go up there around the noon hour, which was another time of prayer. They would pray and then perhaps get something to eat. Probably he smelled the aroma from some of the other homes nearby and the food was um, th- making him, the smells were making him think that it was lunchtime. Well, he got drowsy and he fell into a trance. And in that trance, he had a dream where heaven was opened up and a large sheep appeared before him. It was lowered down and all four corners, perhaps symbolizing the four corners of the earth. And on the sheet were all kinds of animals, reptiles and birds, and in the voice of the Lord in the dream, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. This happened three times, and then the vision went away. When Peter was wondering about this, just at that time, the men that Cornelius had sent to Joppa came to find him. He came through the gate of the place he was staying and then they had their meeting. They told him why they were there and Peter didn't hesitate and invited them in as guests for the night. The next day they would make their journey to Caesarea. I'd like you to hear this in the words of Eugene Peterson, what happened next in the message version of the Bible. The next morning, Peter got up and went with them. Some of his friends from Joppa went along. A day later, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had his relatives and close friends waiting as well. The minute Peter came through the door, Cornelius was on his feet greeting him and then down on his face worshiping him. And Peter pulled him up and said, None of that. I'm only a man. I'm no different from you. Talking things over, they went into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone who had come, Peter addressed them. You know, I'm sure that this is highly irregular. See, Peter was now in the house of a Gentile, and he was taught never to do that. Jews just don't do this. Visit and relax with people of another race. But God has shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came, no questions asked, but now I'd like to know why you were you sent for me. So he's allowing them to speak. Cornelius said, four days ago about this time, mid-afternoon, I was home praying. Suddenly, there was a man right in front of me, flooding the room with light. He said, Cornelius, your daily prayers and neighborly acts have brought you to God's attention. I want you to send to Joppa to get Simon, the one they call Peter. He's sang with Simon the tanner down by the sea. So I did it. I sent for you, and you've been good enough to come. And now we're all here in God's presence, ready to listen to whatever the Master put in your heart to tell us. Peter fairly exploded with this good good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is wide open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere for everyone. And then he continues to tell them about the gospel story, continues to tell about the death of Jesus. Not everyone saw him afterwards, not he wasn't put on public display. Witnesses has been carefully handpicked by God beforehand beforehand. We're the ones, Peter's saying, we're the ones there to eat and drink with him after he came back from the dead. He commissioned us to announce this in public to bear solemn witness that he is, in fact, the one whom God destined as judge of the living and the dead. But we're not alone in this. Our witness is the means to forgiveness of sins, and it is backed up by the witness of all the prophets. So he's telling the gospel story No sooner, the scripture says, were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listener. So Peter is still preaching, still sharing the gospel. Then the Holy Spirit breaks in and the believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it, couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the outsider, the non-Jews. But there it was. And they heard them speaking in tongues and they heard them praising God. This is the Gentile Pentecost. The same kind of thing happened back as the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the Jewish believers. Then Peter said, do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? Reminds us of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch that we studied last Sunday. Here's water. Why can't What's preventing me from being baptized? And Philip baptized him right there. Do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Hearing no objections, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And after that happened, they asked Peter to stay on there in Caesarea for a few more days. I believe that both Cornelius and Peter had breakthrough moments. Cornelius was the first Gentile convert to Christianity. He and his household and many others received salvation and forgiveness of sin in the name of Jesus. God changed their hearts. They were circumcised on the heart God had entered into covenant with them through Jesus. Peter had a breakthrough moment. He saw religious, racial, and social barriers come down. Maybe God has done a work in you like that. You were once this way and had some reservations about others who might be different or some prejudice. I know that I've dealt with that in my life and in my family. And now there's a breakthrough moment and God changes our perspective and helps us to have a new worldview. Neither Cornelius nor Peter would ever be the same. Each had a new worldview. It's like seeing the planet Earth from outer space for the very first time. Neither could go back to the way they were before. Later, back in Jerusalem, word got to the Jewish Christians there. They were the circumcised believers that the Gentiles had received the word of God, and Peter had to give them an account. And you can read this in Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. But in the last part of that segment, Peter responded to those who had objections So I started in talking before I'd spoken half a dozen sentences. The Holy Spirit fell on them as he did on us the first time, speaking to to Pentecost. I remember Jesus' words, John the Baptist baptized with water. You will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So I ask you, if God gave the same exact gift to them as to us when we believed in the Master Jesus Christ, how could I object to God? Hearing it all laid out like that, they the objectors quieted down. And then as it sank in, they started praising God. It really happened. God has broken through to the other nations and opened them up to life. Some of us might be like Cordelius, seeking. You're a good person. You have worshipped and you have given and prayed and followed along the things that you felt like you were supposed to do. Yet there, maybe there's something missing. Something in your heart that's missing. Perhaps you've never taken that next step to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord to invite Him to be your God, your Savior, Redeemer, and your friend. You and Cornelius have a lot in common. Today I pray that you will be one step closer to that decision than when you came to church today. Maybe as we sing our invitation song, God will prompt you to surrender your heart to him as Cornelius did. Others of us are like Peter. We've grown up in church and we have some pretty strong beliefs about our traditions. Perhaps there's some prejudice. Maybe we think that some are in and others are out and that's just the way it should be. Maybe there are some barriers and walls that aren't so easy for us to tear down. And perhaps this story will help begin that journey. Maybe that, that wall or those barriers will start coming down one brick at a time. Since I've been your pastor uh, over these last three years, I've gotten involved in the Bonaire Interfaith Trilog. In my former congregation, we had ecumenical meetings and we did things with other christian churches and of uh, other uh, with all different races and backgrounds but I, i was never involved in an interfaith group like this and over the past week and into this week we're engaged in our interfaith trilogues which are all the abrahamic faiths coming together hebrew jude and muslim and christian all of us together And our theme this year has been hope. And the picture before you is uh, one of all of us clergy from these three religions gathered together for a common purpose, and that is to be about bringing hope to the community around us. And I have to admit that uh, some years ago, I, I would have not felt as comfortable being a part of that group just because of my own stuff. But I have been so welcomed, and uh, last week we were at the Islamic Center of, of Richmond, just up on Buford Road, as well as at Congregation Or Ami, the Reformed Jewish Synagogue. And we ate together, we were at table together, we, we prayed together, and we talked about the things that we have in common. Yes, we have lots of differences, but we talked about things that we have in common. And I'm just very thankful that some of those... Uh, that change of perspective, ha- that God has given that to me. And that we can seek to do things together, even though we have differences. That's just uh, from me to you. Uh, these, these people are not our enemies, they are our friends. And I hope that uh, this week, some of you all might join us up at the Presbyterian, Bonaire Pres, for the third and final uh, session in these dialogues about hope for our community been a breakthrough moment for me. I pray that today has been a breakthrough moment to you in your walk with God. We gather together as God's people and today we think about a breakthrough moment when Jesus met with his disciples the night before he died on the cross for all humanity and he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he blessed it. And he said, take, eat, as often as you meet together, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and poured it out and said, this is my blood shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. As often as you meet together, drink it, this do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Today we invite you to the Lord's table. Our servers will be here in just a few moments. And um, from the back to the front, we invite you to come if you're so led to receive bread and cup. Take it back with you and we'll eat together as one people. The bread is gluten-free and is a symbol of that which Jesus has done for us. Would you pray with me? Prepare our hearts and minds as we gather at your table, Lord. Perhaps this bread and this cup today will be a breakthrough moment for us as we seek to join you in what you're doing and look at the world around us in a totally and completely new way. Bless this meal. Help us to come in a right manner, though none of us is truly worthy of what Jesus has done for us. Help us to cast aside the things that distract us to give, us, to give you the sins and our shortcomings that are on our hearts this morning and even those that we may have forgotten about that are unknown to us. And enable us to um, be cleansed and at one with you and with one another today. In the name of Christ, amen.